Hello everybody and welcome to episode 18 of the James Murwa Literary Podcast. I'm your host James Murwa and today we have a treat. Ghana-born, Senegal-based uh, Ayesha Harunata is my guest uh, and um, uh, Ayesha is a writer of the books uh, Hamatan Rain 2008, Saturday's Shadow 2015, 100 Wells of Salaga 2018 and the newest uh, of her titles is The Deep Blue Between and that, that was published on October 15th this year. The discussion we'll be having will be about the newest book, The, the Deep Blue Between. And um, it's, it's a follow-up on her most recent novel, 100 Wells of Salaga. The 100 Wells of Salaga was written for adults. Deep Blue Between was written for young adults. In our discussion, we talk about, you know, why did she transition from writing for, from, for adults to young adults? She talks about the book itself and, you know, some of the things within it. You know, the, the interesting religion, Candomblé, from Brazil, you know, and how it was involved in this book. And she talks about historical fiction and the kind of work you need to do to do it. Enjoy. Hello, Ayesha. Thank you very much for agreeing to be on uh, my podcast. Welcome to the show. Hello, James. Thank you for having me on. I'm very excited to be on your podcast. You're launching your book in 2020. It, um, it must be really frustrating um, coming out with a book during a, a global pandemic. How has it been for you launching this book this year? So the book comes out next month in October, October 15th, and um, it has been a surreal year. But I think a lot of publishers have seen interest in their work, and I think there's so many books coming out. Um, Apparently in September, there are going to be so many books published. Um, I'm hoping that um, it also translates into book sales for me next month. Um, it has been interesting, to say the least, to um, interact with people from behind a computer screen. There's a part of me that likes it because I'm an introvert, but there's a part of me that also really loves interacting with people. So it's going to be um, uh, a different kind of interaction, not being able to physically be in a space in a bookstore, a library with readers, and um, we'll see how that plays out. But I'm excited. Despite the bizarre year it's been, I think it's also been an introspective one and it's um, a good time for writers to just sit with ourselves and I'm excited to read the literature that comes out of this period. Talking about you know, introspection and you know, what we are likely to, to see, I'm, I know you're, you're not originally from, from Senegal, but you live in Senegal right now. I, I want to know how living in another African country has influenced the work you've been putting out in the recent past. And um, I'd also want to know the influence of people like Aikwe Ama, because I know you're involved with him. How do you feel about working with um, in, a, in a different African country and working with people like Aikwe Ama? So um, Aikwe Ama is a person who really guided me um, in, um, in the process of finding my voice and in um in the whole uh novel writing um journey or on that journey because i came here as a 23 year old and this is where i wrote the first book i came here to senegal and then i came back again after i had gone back to do my mfa in the us and um he invited me back to deepen my work his words were that I had the technique of writing and now I needed the content. 
So in, in, in doing that work with him, I discovered that um, there's a long, 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 long um, literary tradition on the continent, and um, which dates back from you know the the um, Egyptian writings and even before that. Um, but what I learned with him was how to translate, read, and translate hieroglyphs. And being in Senegal has felt like being a step closer to this because um, I definitely believe that the there has been a movement of, of people, like when you talk about the African migrations, a lot of um, people in Senegal say they came from the East. And then when you go to Ghana, where I'm from, a lot of people say they come from the Sudan, which is this space, is Mali, Senegal. So you can already see that movement. So I feel like living here in Senegal has put me one step closer to cracking that migration um, riddle. And this is something that I've been obsessed with for a long time with my own writing. So living in Senegal is, yeah, it's great. And also because I do write about Ghana, I think having a bit of remove, one step um, out of Ghana helps me um, gain perspective, helps me ask the right questions. And I don't get caught up in, in the politics and in, in the drama of the country. Um, so I think, that, that answers, yeah, both questions are tied together, and I hope that answers your question, James. I love the writing that's coming out of you from, from the space you're in. I mean, you've written for adults, and you've written for children, and, and now you've decided you're going to rewrite for young adults. Um, what's the story with that? Was it a natural progression, or was it something you thought about? So I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that. So there's actually a story behind that. Um, I've always wanted to write for young adults because I think as a reader, my richest years were when I was a young adult, even starting at age yeah, 12, 13, the books I read just changed my whole life and perspective. And so um, I've always wanted to do that. And I was at the Pija Festival in um, Ghana, um, in 2018, and I met Sarah Odedina, and she came up to me and asked me if I'd written for children before, and I said, yes, and um, she said, well, historical fiction for children would be something that I should consider, and I had, at that point, published The Hundred Dollars of Salaga, and I think I was actually um, reading from it at the, at the festival, so I told her, I do have an idea, I'll write to you, and so I told her about the twins from the Hundred Wells of Salaga, and she said, "You know what? Just send me a proposal, and we'll see." And so that 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 was it. That's how this began. And between 2018 and 2020, that's two years. It's the fastest I've written written any book. Got this done, and Sarah was an amazing editor. And honestly, the book felt writing the book felt like, you know, like um, waving a wand. It was so magical. And we can go into the nuts and bolts of that. But um, yeah, it's something I'd always wanted to do. And Sarah Jess was the catalyst to, to get that going. You, you can't fail to notice that uh, the, the twins, you know, if you read Salaga and, and then you read this one, you can't fail to notice, you know, the, the twins transitioning into this guy. I'm, I'm just curious, are you writing a Salaga universe? Like, are, you, are we going to get a lot more of these? Because... It's it's really fascinating for me how you, how you did that. James, I think you might be onto something because now the father is haunting me. People want to know like what happened to Baba. 
I don't know what happened to him either, but I think I think down the line we'll find out. So I, I, I guess that's how these things start. You just get one character and then another and another. And in my case, you know, as a real person, this book is inspired by my great-great-grandmother. And so she's creating a world and some of them really do feel like family, like the twins feel like family. Um, so yeah, the art of creation is so fascinating to me and how um, it can, yeah, real life can sometimes seep into your stories and vice versa. And writing this book was just the process in that. Anytime I doubted there'd be something in real life that would just bring me right back to believing in, in the things I was writing about. So yeah, um, yeah, Salaga Universe coming right up. Um, in 100 Wells of Salaga, it was a really Africa-based uh, story. I, you know, you're, you're following this uh, trail within the continent. And then with um, the deep blue between, you decided to, you know, to jump continents. What's the story with that? I mean, how, what, why did you feel it was so important to do this? Yeah, so um, when I was writing the 100 Wells of Salaga, the idea there was to to really stay on the continent of Africa and to explore internal slavery because I found out about this ancestor who had been enslaved and that she um, ended up staying in in Salaga, which is why that book was called The Hundred Wells of Salaga. Um, but then with the twins, from the very minute um, they, they break away, there's the idea of the big water. So you know one of them is going to get there. So um, it's in reference to our brothers and sisters who were shipped across the Atlantic and, and sent to places like the Caribbean, Brazil, um, North America, the Americas in, in, um, in their totality. And so um, I wanted to, to explore that. But I also spent a lot of time um, while I was doing a residency in Brazil, this was in 2015, having my world shattered. I had no idea that people from Brazil moved back to Lagos and then came back again. I knew there was movement back to the continent, but it wasn't just a one-way um, directional thing. It was back and forth. So um, a lot of Yoruba culture actually built up during this time, like that amalgam of Yoruba um, identity came about because people were moving back and forth. So when I, when I found this out, this was in 2015, as I was finalizing the 100 Wells of Salaga, I knew I'd have to write about this at some point. So um, enter the twins and um, yeah, the idea that because of this back and forth movement, some people could possibly have gone back home. Um, so with Husina and Hasana, that was what I wanted to play with. Would they ever find each other? Would they go back home? And, and that's how um, they ended up in different places. I, I really love the Brazil the Brazil aspect of this book, because I know a bit about that Yoruba culture, the Candonomble and with the Orishas. And I, I would like you, could you please talk a bit more about this? Because this is a, this is a huge religious movement. 
how big is it in, in Brazil in itself? And um, how are you able to translate it into your book? Because you said you want to write it, but how did you move it from, you know, observing into your text? So yeah, this was Candomblé religion. Um, and I, how to describe this? So this is sort of a, a coming together of different African, West African, and sometimes um, um, Southern African, like Angolan belief that, you know, came together in Brazil. So there'd be elements that borrowed from here and borrowed from there, but mostly um, based on, on Yoruba um, belief. And what I like about Candomblé is that it's a live and let live religion. Um, there's a lot of ancestor, um, um, belief in ancestors, and the Orishas are, are the gods. Um, so you have people like Yamanja. Yamanja is one I talk about a lot in, in um, the Deep Blue Between. There are Orishas, there's um, Oshun, um, there's a whole pantheon of them. And um, these are Orishas, they they protect people, you want to keep them happy, just like any any other group of gods, like you have the Greek gods, you have Egyptian gods, and gods can be quite jealous, and gods can be um, uber protective, so they come with um, all their complexities and, um, and different, um, um, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They come with their different um, attributes. Um, and I, the thing about um, Candomblé is it's so beautiful. So um, you'd have um, people who would be taken over by some of these um, Orishas. And each Orisha has a color or certain texture, certain foods that they like. So during ceremonies, I attended um, a couple of them while I was in Bahia. During these ceremonies, um, you'd see people dressed in the colors to to celebrate these orishas. So these are things that I, I um, try to incorporate in my book. And um, with the twins, you have Husena, you have Hasana. Husena um, was a very introverted person. Hasana was a bolder twin. So I um, I wrote them so that Husena would be the one who would be taken over or um, inhabited by the Orishas um, because she's very interior and her, her sensitiveness lends herself to, to that kind of vibrational energy, if I can put it that way. And so, yeah, it was, it was really a trip writing about this because I've, um, I found Candomblé to be the closest thing we have to an African religion, even um, an African religion that um, exists in its entirety, because I found that in Ghana, um, a lot of it is mixed with Islam or mixed with Christianity. So it's hard to say, you know, what what is what. Meanwhile, in Candomblé, yes, there is um, the twinning of Orishas with Catholic saints and things like that. But um, I guess with time, um, a lot of the practice has become more open the, the twinning with Catholicism was because in the past it was frowned upon by colonial authorities and then um, 
I guess, the state as well. So people would hide behind um, Catholic saints. And then there's a whole mix that happened with that too as well. And I'm getting quite technical here, but um, it's a fascinating religion. And like I said, the thing I appreciate a lot about it is that it's very open. There's no judgment. It's um, There's a lot of... Um, um kindness and it's it's yeah some people will try to use things um to their own means and ends but i think generally as a religion it's it's very positive or well, that's the impression it made on me um going on with this religion answer um, a little bit i i just found it really interesting i mean there's a statement in there where you state that um where one of the characters says that all religious all religions actually have an aspect of the supernatural in them, all of them. You know, the the Muslims have the jinns, uh, the and the Christians also have. I believe the the ten, the core tenant of Christianity is that somebody was raised from the dead, and and I think you that was a really really interesting um, addition to this text. Uh, you know, as a teenager, I I struggled with religion a lot, and so. I think this is the kind of book that I would have liked to read. It's not answering questions. I don't have the answers, but it's, you know, it's making you think, it's making you question. So I'm hoping, I know there'll be people who will, will take issue with it, um, but I'm, I'm hoping that it, it does the work of asking questions, like why do we place more stock in Christianity, which, yeah, has, as you rightly say, as its central um, tenet, um, somebody being raised from the dead, versus uh, traditional African religions, which also place high stock on, on the supernatural. So why, why is there a hierarchy of things? And so I'd like for young people to start questioning and I don't want it to shake anybody's faith, but I want it to be a thing that just makes us start conversations. And um, same with um, Islam, um, the Ahajins, um, with, um, I'm sure if you dig deeper into other um, uh, other big religions in the world, that there are elements of, um, of, of magic. And so why, why denigrate one religion and put up the other on a pedestal? These are questions that I've had for a very, very, very long time. Um, so, yeah, this was a book too. Also, yeah, just get young people thinking and talking about all aspects of their life. So. This text deals with really, really heavy themes. This is um, the PG version of of some horrific things that are happening to somebody because you know that in this book in, in this kind of environment people get you know killed people get assaulted all manner of ways and you've avoided this kind of discussion quite well so how difficult was it to translate some really big themes some of them very brutal so that you know, young adult reader will be able to read and understand how difficult was it? How easy was it? I think after having written The Hundred Dolls of Salaga, which does go into some of the horrific um, aspects of that time and day, I wanted to move a bit away from that and to show yeah, that life 
wasn't always that way. It, it could have been around the corner, yes. But then there were people who would have had everyday lives without such trauma. Um, and I think that's our reality now as well. You can see it like um, I'm living here in Senegal. I know there's a pandemic going on, but for some reason, and I'm touching on wood as I say this, our little village hasn't been affected so much by it. Yes, there aren't tourists coming to um, buy from the ladies on the beach. Yes, we've been shut off from the rest of the world. But then you go to New York or you went to New York a few um, months ago and it was it was horrible. And in other places, there are horrors going on. So while, um, yeah, that's, that's life. You live in one place and there are horrors and you live in another place and there aren't. So Amina's story is happening at the same time. And Amina is from the 100 Wells of Salaga. So it's happening around the same time as the girls. And... Um, I I wanted to show that even though Amina is going through these horrific things, her sisters could be transcending them or be going through other other life events. And so it was in a way easy because I'd already done that work of, of going to those difficult places. Um, and I hope that answers, answers the question. I think there might have been another part of your question that I'm blanking out on now. I, I wanted to know about, you know, like getting the bigger themes and making them be able to be consumed by young adults. I'm, I'm curious about that. Um, I think I didn't want to, to dumb down the themes because I, again, I think about the reader that I was at 12, 13, 14, and I read everything. So I wanted to not be afraid of going there, talking about, yeah, these girls come from a legacy of slavery, talking about um, abuse, talking about um, separation from families or one's family. Um, so I, I didn't want to shy away from them because they do happen to young people too. Um, these big life things that we talk about, they happen to to children, and so I, I I wanted to be able to 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 write about that. And I don't think at any point I said to myself, "Oh, um, you shouldn't talk about this." I think the only guiding post that I had um, was that in young adult literature, there's usually a message of hope. So you want to to leave the young reader with that. I think it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a craft thing I learned as I was going along and to leave the reader with hope versus if this had been a, an adult novel where probably the ending would be a lot more bleak. Um, but as I, I don't think there was any point in my mind when I, I said to myself, this is for young people, be careful. I, I just wrote it. I just let the girls guide me and um, for some reason, there were some issues that we went deep into, um, and others not so much. But again, yeah, high low. That's that's the kind of writing I also gravitate towards, where you 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 delve into some things, you skim over others, and and um, you provide a whole world. And 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 so yeah, hope that answers the question now. You've written books in the present time, and uh, now you're writing. This is your second historical novel, your historical book. And I want to know how much more work do you have to do to make to produce a historical text? Do you, do you have to do much more work or is it the same amount of work as uh, 
um, let's say if I'm doing a story about the COVID period, would I do the same amount of work now? Um, or um, So just talk me through that one. What are you reading now? What can you recommend for somebody who actually wants to write historical fiction? I have um, two and a half books of historical fiction. The first one, the um, my first first baby, Hamatan Rain, that uh, starts off in the 1950s and ends up in the late 1990s. So there was a lot of research I had to do for that book. And I think having done this a third time, the difference between writing historical fiction and writing contemporary fiction for me, because other writers will have different methods of working, uh, is um, with historical fiction, I sort of take a trip back in time, immerse myself in the world before I put anything on anything to paper. So I will read everything, chronicles, I'll read um, um, explorer accounts, I'll read um, academic papers that go back and, and, and do work on, on, on all aspects of history. I'll read anthropology books, sociology books, everything I can get my hands on. So I do that work before I, I start crafting, before I start um, um, plotting the book. And then in contemporary fiction, I'll just start writing. And then if I need to do research, I do that concurrently. So I think that's the difference with my process. Um, other writers might start writing and then go back to do research to make sure there are no anachronisms. But in my case, I really want to know the world I'm working with before I even begin. So I am reading um, a book called The Snow Leopard. It's in French, actually, and I'm reading it slowly by Sylvain Tesson. I just started it. And I just finished reading a book called His Only Wife by Peace Media. And I am also reading, as you can tell, I am not a faithful reader. I'm cheating on my, on, on my books. I'm also reading A Woman Who Run With The Wolves, which has been really interesting um, as a woman and as a creative. I highly recommend that book, even for historical fiction, because it takes a lot of, um, of fairy tales, of stories, of um, yeah, even things like The Ugly Duckling, so nursery rhymes, things that we've, we know intimately. And then it talks about the creative process. It talks about yeah, being a woman and finding one's wild side. So highly recommend that. And uh, for the historical fiction recommendation, hands down, um, Chintu by Jennifer Nansumbuga Makumbi. Amazing book. That, yeah, everyone needs to read that. And of course, The Hundred Doors of Salaga because I wrote it. <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's, that's my recommendation. My final question to you is, when this book coming out and where can people get this book? So this book is coming out October 15th in the UK. Um, it's available on online um, through websites like Waterstones, Amazon, um, Foils, any of those UK bookstores and in-store as well. Um, and I'll have a West African announcement soon. I can't talk about it yet, but very soon readers in West Africa and the rest of the continent um, will, 
will have an update from me. Um, readers um, in Italian, Dutch, German, and Brazilian Portuguese, I'll also have announcements. So I'm very excited. It's received a lot of um, love from, from the different foreign um, regions. So translations will be out soon. And um, yeah, October 15th, the deep blue between in the UK. I'm hoping to have um, a North American release soon. Uh, yeah, so thank you so much, James. This was really wonderful. Uh, thank you for agreeing to do this. Have a nice day.